This is Alana Smith, and you're listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 153 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I'm Rick Fabanis, and I will be your host this episode, and I am joined by, as always, the best gosh darn co-host out there. That's a Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. The wild dogs cry out in the night as they grow restless, longing for some solitary company. I know that I must do what's right, as sure as Kilimanjaro rises like Olympus above the Serengeti. I seek to cure what's deep inside frightened of this thing that i've become is that a little toto it is yeah baby yeah, yeah. What, what what's the chorus bob go ahead sing the oh chorus. I, you know i i can't i can't uh it's in the back i should know it because you know as you know my I family the rains down uh, in africa as, like, as on, you know, bob. my family went to africa i know in december and as we were driving around in our fire vehicle i had my my cell phone out and up with Toto playing uh, on full blast. <laughs> wow. I bet you'd like the first one to ever do that. Yeah. My son, you know, absolutely hates that song. Hates me. Okay. Uh, so yeah. So that, which is one of the reasons I did it. So, but yeah. So great song. Absolutely. Why, why did I uh, pick that as my opening to you, Bob? Well, uh, I think it's because, and we've talked about this, haven't we? You, uh, I don't you, remember. You think did we? you, there, there's a theory out in the uh, universe uh -huh. that uh, he's talking the about the net. Yeah. The interwebs that he's talking about being a werewolf. Yeah. So I, yeah, it absolutely is. So um, I had seen this uh, on, on, uh, on Facebook and somebody by the name of David Hines um, wrote this theory about the song Africa by Toto. Shall I read what he wrote, Bob? That's a yes. Okay. That's, that's a yes in canine. Gonna take a lot to drag me away from you. There's nothing that a hundred men or more could ever do. So why is the singer not with her now? This is my theory of Toto's Africa. Why is the speaker in Africa in the first place? Answer. He is, quote, hoping to find some long forgotten words or ancient melodies. Basically, he's a student of the occult. Why has the singer of Toto's Africa gone to Africa, leaving his love in order to hunt up obscure folklore? He tells you, quote, I seek to cure what's deep inside, frightened of this thing that I've become. He's a damn werewolf. Mm. Quote, wild dogs cry out in the night as they grow restless, longing for, for some solitary company. Those aren't dogs. Why does he bless the rains deep in Africa? Because the cloud cover blocks the moon. Toto's Africa is about a lovesick werewolf in Africa seeking out ancient lore to find a cure for his unfortunate condition. Wow. Just wow. Every time I hear the song Africa by Toto, I think of that. You do, huh? Okay. Every All single right. time. We're going to see next time I hear it on Bob FM. 
Uh-huh. As you, Cause you know, that's my favorite radio station. I, I've heard once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see if that, that triggers that, um, that thought in my head. So we'll see. All right. Yeah, I, we'll I'm going to tell you right now, Will. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so anyway, why am I talking about werewolves, Bob? Because today we have on the show the writer of the upcoming Cap Wolf in the Howling Commandos miniseries is due out next month. We have writer Stephanie Phillips on the show. This is really exciting. I mean, uh, I was super, super uh, excited when you said that you landed her for this show, right? Because the book's coming out very, very shortly. And, you know, a lot of folks are really excited about uh, seeing Cap Wolf again in a different way. Uh, mm -hmm. And paired up with the Howling Commandos in World War II. So I think it's going to be a really great story. And I can't wait to get it in time for Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, we'll have to talk to her about that. Um, a, lot of, a lot of questions about this upcoming story. So we're looking forward to talking with Stephanie soon. I mean, I'm actually wearing my Cap Wolf t-shirt, Bob. I noticed that. Very cool. Yeah, it's the cover to uh, Captain America 404 i want to say the one where he's holding the shield up high and then mm -hmm. behind him he's got the 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 werewolf head uh yeah my my son got me this for christmas a couple years ago so yeah it's break. what it's what all the well-dressed captain america comic book fans podcast hosts are wearing these days yeah all of them except you i said well-dressed oh okay. i just got a uh, i have a new uh i have a new avengers marvel uh, I, not Avengers, but a Marvel uh, character T-shirt on. I got this at Target, Rick. Look yeah, that. it's so cool that we can get. Isn't that amazing? We can get Marvel shirts like twelve ninety nine you know. for crying out loud. Ah, well, yeah, yeah. I get mine at like at uh, Cinco fits, Below. Fits. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are, those fit oddly. Do they? Sometimes. They do on me. They're a little well, short. They're a little, I see. I like it because I'm not a tall guy like you. Oh, I thought maybe you like to show your midriff. But you know, I don't <laughs> no, know. <laughs> no, no one need, no one needs to see that. No. Yeah, I know. I saw your midriff in uh, a vintage photo of you at a Jimmy Buffett concert. Oh. Not, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you wore those coconut shells uh, rather alluringly. I might yes, say. and the grass skirt. Let's not forget the grass skirt. <laughs> yeah, you had to bring that up. Yeah. So, uh, heart goes out to to uh, Jimmy Buffett and his, and his family and friends. Um, you know, really sad to see him pass. Uh, I'm a I'm a parrot head, and uh, I've probably seen him a you know a dozen or so times live. Uh, fortunately, two years ago, I finally got a chance to take my kids to see him, and I uh, was hoping to do more than that. But at least at least I was able to take him uh, one time to see Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, yeah. Uh, big fan, big fan. Yeah, yeah. Rest I'm, peace, I'm Jimmy. Uh, you know, I, I remember seeing an interview with him maybe like 10, 15 years ago. Uh, it was like only like 60 minutes or something. And, uh, so you might've caught it, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, but they interviewed him and said, you know, about why do you, why do you think you're so popular? And, and quite frankly, he was more popular doing touring and, and concerts than he was selling albums. And, uh, not that he didn't sell albums because of course he did but but really yeah. where he made his his name and his his living was was touring and he said listen i don't have the best voice in the world um there's plenty of singers out there better than me and i'm not good looking and i'm getting up there in age he says but one thing that i was able to do was put my finger on escapism mm -hmm. and really that's what i became known for 
is escapism and you know with margaritaville and yeah. you know all you know a lot of his songs about you know going you know to the beach or exotic places or on the boat or having a cocktail or whatever you know what i mean so right yeah um and that's yeah. i think that's what it was for me too yeah oh that's interesting yeah um a lot of folks beloved by a lot of folks for sure and i know they have a they have a, one of those margaritaville resorts up in uh, fort myers which isn't too far from me so um hmm. yeah a lot of um, a lot of remembrances there over the last uh, couple of week or so so well you know li listen uh let's let's move on to a happier subject let's celebrate birthdays um now this episode is coming out a week later than we normally would um you know stephanie had to to uh had something coming up with with the hurricane and all that so we we moved it to this week and uh so we actually talked about birthdays for this week in last week's episode so guess what we're gonna do reverse it um having a birthday uh back on september 6th uh, which was a week ago today if you're listening on when this comes out was none other than my favorite captain america artist mike zek doesn't ring a bell no no, I haven't mentioned that before. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, actually, now that you mentioned it, you might have once or twice. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, big birthday for Mike Zach. Big so, birthday. uh, you know, uh, wishing him uh, a lot of many, many, many more years. Um, then on September 9th was artist Frank Robbins. Frank, all right, how old? Yeah. You know? Uh, well, he passed, yeah, he, but yeah. How old would he be? Um, old? Yeah, he'd be old. Yeah, he'd okay. be up there. That's right. Yeah. So he passed a while back. You know, he certainly was a a legend in the comic community. Um, you know, for all the work that he 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 did. So, um, you know, uh, happy birthday would have been to to Frank Robbins. Indeed. So on Facebook, Bob, there's been a few things uh going on. Yeah. Um, uh, we last week's episode, we had. Uh, we did the episode 152. We did part eight of the uh, Dimension Z story. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, uh, I was pretty, pretty stoked. Uh, Walter Cahill mm -hmm. uh, posted on there. He says, I don't have many volume seven books, but listening to the podcast has got me hooked. I'm going to go out and pick up the books I'm missing and reread this story ASAP. That's awesome. I saw that post and I, and I saw your response and, you know, that's exactly what we were hoping, you know, that folks give things another look. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to hear that too. Yep. Uh, Bob, should we, should we talk about um, how the, the voting went? Don't even get me going. Rick. No. Yeah. Wow. Huh? I, I was excited. A lot of folks jumped in and voted. I think that's awesome. Yeah. We had well uh, over a hundred people. Voting. Yeah. That's awesome. So a lot of interest. Definitely yep. a lot of interest. Yeah. Yeah. Any any anything else you notice about it, Bob? Um look, uh, you obviously won a substantial majority of the vote. Uh-huh. But I do have some concerns. <laughs> <laughs> Is this your way of being uh a a cordial uh and uh polite loser and saying yeah. uh 
good job, Rick. It is, is this it, is this how you're going to show Bobby how to no, not how at losers, all. Not how at losers all. Uh, handle defeat? Not at all. <laughs> no, I, I, it's it's for me. It's all about quantity. And there's one guy left. I'm waiting for a vote from. I don't know if he's voted yet. So, uh, uh, well, well, we'll just throw it out there. Who is it? Uh, uh, Mr. Stevens, our Dr. Stevens, our illustrious uh, academic. Has he voted uh, yet? Oh. Uh, I am, do not see, um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm taking a long time cause I'm just scrolling, scrolling through all the people who voted all for the, me. All the names. Yeah. 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 It was, it took a long time to get through the 84 votes yeah. who voted for Nobody's me. Nobody's voted in, a, but in several days now. Uh, yeah. So hold I'm on. Curious. Let me get let me get to your twenty nine votes, Bob. Right. Uh, how, how many? Folks... Oh, that went quick. No, he's he didn't Did, vote. Congratulations, well fought victory. Uh, I really had a fun time, uh, you know, recording that show, and uh, and that's really what matters. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It doesn't matter that I crushed you or anything like that. <laughs> what really matters is that you got your joy out of preparing for it and in producing it because yeah. that's where you were going to get your joy. Yeah. Well, that's where I always get my joy preparing. For <laughs> shows. And I do hope we can do it again. I think it's uh, it was a wonder. I mean, we talked about it. We talked about maybe doing this again, uh, in uh April, future. April yeah. and, and having some, you know, some other folks. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll get a, yeah, a third person on there. We'll have to count yeah. this, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I, I, cause I, I want, I want you to, to, to get more than 29 votes. Um, I, I, uh, I can't even say that was true. No, what, what you need to do is focus on who are going to be the popular and interesting. And we haven't seen that character in a long time. Cool. And get them and then build your story around that. Don't start with the story and then build the characters because, because, Hmm, you're not you're not selling the story you're selling your team yeah yeah that's right. and that's and that's sort of the, not the way that i looked at it at all yeah. of course so interesting i mean that's obviously probably what you would do in fantasy football right because obviously the story is the same you're playing football mm -hmm. right so it, it all comes down to the roster of your players yeah, but I didn't do that. I, I mean, I, I obviously had a story for each one of my characters and how they all feel, you know, fit together. Well, we both did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I just picked more popular characters. Well, that's just it. I think. I think more beloved. Yeah. Characters. Yeah. And hotter ones. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I went with the hot characters. <laughs> all right. Enough of that. Um, <laughs> the other thing too that we talked about recently is that. Um, I think one of us asked, like, why don't we see ultimate Captain America much in mm. this group? Yeah. Right. right. And, yeah. and that kind of surprises. I think we had, you know, Matthew Glover on and, and talked yeah. about the, the, the various uh, different Captain Americas from different universes. Right. Yeah. And so, um, wow. Uh, somebody had posted a uh, couple of panels from uh -huh. a, an ultimates comic, which is, uh, you know, the ultimate version of Steve Rogers, yeah. who is a different type of character, let's just say. And wow, now we know why no one ever posted this. <laughs> no one likes the guy. He's a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. 
I know the responses to that were, were almost uniformly uh, negative. Yeah. And so, um, and what's interesting is, I mean, we can enjoy the art, right? We can enjoy the composition, but it's yeah. the character just gets under people's skin. Right. And, and somebody you can't enjoy out. the rest of it, you know? Right. And somebody pointed out, well, that was the point, right? He yeah. wasn't most supposed to be likable. Yeah. Right. Uh, he was supposed to be a certain type of, you know, a hole kind of military guy. And, um, yeah, it just, I guess it's one of those things where it just rubbed people enough the wrong way. Just like, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm, it's like, I'm not going to read it then. Yeah. It's like taking beach to uh, sand of the beach. Right. I mean, you need that. I don't follow that at all. <laughs> well, like, you know, the character, you know, I, you know, obviously I come from a, a certain background. And so I look at like the, I look at the ultimate Captain America character and I'm like, uh, what's, what's special about him? I mean, in terms of his character, right? Yeah. I mean, I see that all the time, right? I mean, and we see that in, it's like taking, a, you know, sand to the beach. It's not, all you got to do is look around the world and we can see characters like, like the ultimate other than the superpowers. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, mm -hmm. it's, there's nothing inspiring or motivating or, or, you know, heartwarming about that, that character. And that's what, that's what we love about Steve Rogers and what yeah. he brings because he gives us somebody to look up to and somebody to admire in a world that maybe sometimes is hard to find, you know, exemplars like that. No, that's a really good point. And yeah. uh, anyway, so it was interesting to see, the take on that in the Facebook group. And so anyway, um, well, gosh, you know what? We have been jabbing and jawing oh, sure. here. Yeah. Uh, we should probably get to Stephanie. She's probably been in the green room a little too long. Sounds great. I can't wait. Let's, let's bring her in. Stephanie Phillips broke into writing comics in 2018 and has already had impressive runs, including such series as Harlequin volume four, Wonder Woman evolution, Batman legends of the dark Knight, grim and many others. Her stories and comics have appeared with Marvel, DC, Aftershock Comics, Dark Horse, Oni Press, Top Cow, Image Comics, Heavy Metal, Black Mass Studios, A Wave Blue World, and more. In addition to the upcoming Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos miniseries for Marvel, she's also taking on Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson, Captain America's, as well as dozens of other characters in Avengers Annual 5, number one. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you, uh, and we're very excited to talk about uh, the upcoming Captain America stories you've got going. But you know, obviously, want to get into more than just that, you know. And so, wanted to see is um, maybe if you could share how you broke in to the industry as a writer and as someone who who is relatively new to the industry, how you gotten so many stories under your belt so quickly. Um. Yeah. Uh... I, I always loved comics. I liked writing them when I was in uh, graduate school. I kind of started playing with the idea, um, not really thinking about publication of them, just as something to do beyond the academic work I was doing. Um, and uh, I was kind of lucky enough to find homes for everything along the way. Um, yeah, it's not, not a super exciting story, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, just kind of like dominoes, write one thing and it found a home and kept finding homes for other stuff until I uh, got the call from DC. I did a short story with Riley Rosmo and that led to us doing Harley Quinn for maybe three years together, a little more, mm -hmm. uh, about three years with Riley. And then uh, a little while with some other artists as well. Yeah. So let's talk about some of those. You said you found homes for your story. So you were just, 
as, as a lot of writers, you just had a lot of creative ideas going and, and um, did these go back to when you were a kid or, or were these more real, relatively recent or a little bit of both? Um, definitely relatively recent. I, I spent most of my time like in grad school and stuff doing non-creative things. So it was, uh, it was kind of like, all right, I have a story idea. Where does it belong? And I like comics. So I wanted to try going that route. Um, and I've also been, I think very visual. So I was like, it's hard enough to see the story. So I don't, I didn't want to gravitate towards prose. So I know that you have taught at several universities, including the University of Buffalo, the University of Tampa, and the University of South Florida, where, where you received your PhD in rhetoric and composition. So welcome, doctor. <laughs> I've been uh, I've been tempted to, to try to integrate comics uh, into and graphic novels, for that matter, into the classes I teach at a local university. I'm, I'm fascinated by Alex Ross and Paul Dini's Peace on Earth. Um, the 1998 Superman graphic novel. Um, have you ever used comics or, or the medium more generally in, in the classes that you teach? Not really. Um, so when I, I, I quit teaching about three or four years ago, but the last time I taught, I was in an engineering department. Um, so, I mean, I guess if you wanted to break it down to like graphics that engineers are working with and technical illustrations, mm -hmm. they are technically comics in a lot of senses, but yeah. Um, no, I have not brought in like uh, a a comic book to give to to students in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I was doing very very like technical things with um, students in the engineering field that like I think some of them would maybe show that they were into like video games and stuff, and that was always a fun yeah. conversation. But it was it was not quite what I was doing. Yeah. Unfortunately. So maybe like uh, like something like Ex Machina. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they would have loved that. Yeah. That would be great. Well, I I can't remember the uh, the artists off the top of my head, but you know, it, throughout the Captain America comics, there's always been sort of technical drawings of of Cap's motorcycle and his van and, and all these sorts of things, and and they're yeah. quite fascinating. But uh, interesting. All right. Well, um, I you know I was struck by uh, comments you've made in in prior interviews about how you enjoy writing historical fiction, sort of the what if kind of scenarios. And your Butcher in Paris series from Dark Horse uh, comics is set in World War II Paris. Are you particularly interested in that era? Because Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, uh, we hear, is also set in World War II in Europe. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't think it was like my favorite era, era to read about or study. And it just became this thing that I think I've gravitated towards as a writer. Uh, one of the first books I did, Butcher in Paris, was um, about a true story about a serial killer that was in Nazi-occupied Paris. And a lot of that for me is um, I'm very interested in Jewish history. So it was like kind of the start of that. I've done some other books on like Jewish gangsters and trying to include that. And it there's, there's just a lot of stuff there. And I think um, understanding such a pivotal moment in history, it's like it's almost too big to read about it all in once, uh, all at once. So breaking it down into these kind of smaller stories or um, pieces that we can use in other other forms of media, I think are kind of interesting. So setting, and Cap has a history with World War II. So setting it there, um, actually it started with um, the Howling Commandos. That was something that when, when Marvel asked if I wanted to come do something for them, I was like, that would be my dream project. And it was kind of like, oh, ha ha, the Howling Commandos. And I got a call back from uh, C.B. Sabolsky the next day. And he's like, actually, 
I think I know how we can do it. How do you feel about Cap Wolf? And I was like, very positively. I feel very good about that. <laughs> yeah. um, this sounds like a very cool, cool mashup. So um, yeah, the idea for it was born very quickly. And I it kind of just came from the comment I made, like, I would love to do something with the Howling Commandos and World War II in the Marvel Universe. So it, it was perfect. It's actually the first thing I worked on with Marvel. It's just been the longest ongoing project because they wanted to release it in October. So mm -hmm. so we've been waiting and sitting on it for a while. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, so what was it about the Howling Commandos that really interests you that you really wanted to do a story about them? Why was that your first choice? Um, because I like war comics and I wanted to kind of pay homage to some of the older comics and some of the stuff that Kirby did. And I thought like that would be uh that would be really cool like a blend of of some of this like big marvel universe with the war comics and um yeah it, it i just i like the commandos uh and the name kind of lent itself perfectly to cap wolf so uh yeah it's a good fit well okay so let's talk about the the upcoming series uh it's a four issue mini series right you said the first issue comes out next month mm -hmm. um how would you pitch it to the listeners about this series what what is it that um excites you and you hopefully excites them uh there's a lot of supernatural elements obviously with the werewolves but the cool thing is i think the story is really grounded in actual history like a lot of the nazi interest in supernatural uh elements uh and we're kind of dropping readers into close to the end of the war um where the nazis are kind of like uh really desperate to keep a foothold uh on on what they've done so far and not get trampled uh but the allies are getting closer and closer um so cap wolf was sent on a mission with or i'm sorry he's captain america at the time he is sent on a mission with the commandos uh when fury is injured and uh they don't really know what they're about to walk into and it's it it's all very historically based like at the time in World War II, uh, there were a unit of German soldiers that people called, uh, I'm going to say in English, werewolves, because they couldn't see them. And it was kind of like a form of guerrilla warfare. Mm. Um, and they had this nickname about like the wolves. Mm. Uh, so we kind of based it a little bit on that. And then uh, obviously Cap Wolf is born. So it's a bit of a retelling of the Cap Wolf origin for us. I, you know, you've got me super excited because I, I really love when comics are, are grounded in um, history uh, or the contemporary contemporary world. And so you've got me really jazzed about this. So you mentioned that um, you were excited about the Howling Commandos. So I have to ask you, how familiar were you with Captain America, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos before you agreed to to like bite off this series? And 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 how did you prepare? Oh, Bob, did you just say bite off this series? I think I was pretty familiar. I was, I think. The part I was least familiar with was Cap Wolf. I knew of Cap Wolf. I knew the images. Um, I've seen like the pop funkos of him. So I, I knew of his existence, but I didn't know as much about like the origin or um, where it fit in continuity wise. Uh, but in terms of using like Fury and the Commandos, like that, I was super excited about. And I was really excited to give a little bit more um, personality and like growth to some of the Commandos as well, because it's it's a lot of characters to deal with in kind of a short uh, amount of space. Um, so that was like both the challenge and I think the exciting part as a writer was like dealing with that many people at once. Um but I think I was the least familiar with the Cap Wolf element. So one of the things we wanted to do was really make 
that our own retelling. Um, because from what we talked about uh, between myself and kind of editorial was like, this was, this was pretty niche to begin with. So uh, giving it its own mini series we also wanted to give readers a sense that like you didn't have to know a lot coming into it yeah so speaking uh, of the editor because you had said that you were talking about this story and he mentioned well how do you feel about cap wolf and you said i think you said you were like oh i love cap wolf but uh but is but really you didn't know a ton about cap wolf but you know it reminded me because we had uh jm demateus on the show uh he basically said when you're breaking into comics you just you you agree to everything you're oh, like, oh. oh, no, no, no. I do not agree to everything <laughs> no, no? Not that I've turned down in the last month. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I couldn't do that. And uh, I've been offered a lot of stuff that I don't think I'm the right person for. And mm. frankly, if I take that job and I do a bad job on it, then I'm probably not going to get call back on something else. Um, and, you know, I found too having that conversation with an editor and saying like, uh, I'm not I'm not the right person for this because it's maybe more YA leaning or something, or also trying to parse out why somebody wants you to write something. And sometimes it distills down into like a really bad reason. And you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not the right person for this project. Um, no, I think cap wolf, like, you know, when they said cap wolf, there's a werewolf captain America. It's like, what I feel about that is positive. <laughs> like that's cool. And I want to include that element into um, the Howling Commando story that I was kind of open to writing already. But um, but no, I I don't think that there, I mean, maybe early on there was a sense of like, I'm not teaching anymore and I want to take on more jobs to like be able to pay bills. But uh, no, I'm at a point where, you know, I write, I write an ongoing uh, every month that's my own with Flaviano at Boom, and um, I'm a co-owner of Distillery Media uh, with people like James Tynan, um, Scott Snyder, and Brian Azzarello, and a bunch of other cool people, um, Joel Jones. So I'm, I'm really at a point where I think I have a, a luxury of taking things that I'm interested in, and Cap Wolf was one of those. So I'm, I'm excited that it was an opportunity that Marvel let me have. Well, that's fantastic. You know, when whenever creators are love love the and are passionate about the story it comes through and uh it, it ends up being ultimately a great story because of that so stephanie i've read in a prior interview that the very first comic you ever created when you were around three was about a werewolf yeah so what should this tell us about you and if do you have have you had a lifelong interest in werewolves and has no. this approached your approach has this informed your approach to, to this series? Um, yeah, that's really interesting because uh, I don't think it was. <laughs> um, it was also a story. It was a story about a nun and a werewolf. And I'm Jewish. And it was always a shock <laughs> to my parents of like, where did you see a nun? Like where? Or a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. Or where did you see a werewolf? Um, I feel like I probably had more access to werewolves than nuns. As right. A kid. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess. But um yeah, it was. Uh, I think my dad still has that that comic. Yeah. Um, I should I should definitely inform him of the parallel there because he'd be pretty pleased. Yeah, I mean, I think you said in that interview for a while he had it up hanging up in his office or something. So yeah, yeah I certainly I would. Does. Yeah. I said, if my thirteen year old drew a comic book about a werewolf, I would hang it up in my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not not well drawn. Everybody was a stick figure or a block. <laughs> Um, I was not old enough to write, so all the handwriting is immaculate because it's my dad filling in the, yeah. the balloons. 
Uh, so speaking of, of werewolves, uh, I, I read something not too long ago. It was something uh, on the internet, um, on social media, and um, somebody with the avatar, their name was uh, Fairies Fang, and he wrote the following, and I found it interesting. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. And they say, um, there are hardly any female werewolves because they break all the classic rules of femininity. They force you to confront female violence, strength, size, grotesqueness, and uncontrollability. Historically, female shapeshifters always shift into something dangerous like a snake, sleek like a cat, or dainty like a bird, but female werewolves ignore the masculine gaze completely. They're distorted beasts that have no ulterior motive except to destroy. Nothing about them is nurturing or modest. They're the opposite of what a woman, quote-unquote, should be. Their omission from pop culture is not an accident. So when this was posted, of course, the internet rattled off a handful of female werewolves that you can find in books and movies. But I do think it's fairly accurate in the fact that, you know, there really isn't that many. Um, do you agree with them, like, their omission is, is not being an accident? And will we see any female werewolves in your story? Uh, I've I've never thought of that, but I I think like monster mythology and the way that women's bodies in particular are treated in mythology like that is really interesting. Um, just a lot of the like, if if a woman in these kind of myth uh, mythical stories is this monstrous beast, it's like this kind of code for being unfit for womanhood kind of thing. It's what you don't want to become. Uh, and yet I think we're at a cool place where there's a lot of women readers that can look at that and be like, oh, werewolf, that's freaking awesome. Like, I want to, like, cool, I'd be a werewolf, like vampire, whatever, let's go. That sounds cool. Um, as for any in our story, I feel like that's tough to answer because I don't want to give stuff away about other characters coming in, but um, but I'm excited about that quote. I will say that. All right. <laughs> All right. I would be excited to see what that... Um, the the person that posted that says about the series when when we're done excellent all right nice tease i like that <laughs> uh all right so we do have some some our patrons some of our listeners who have submitted some questions for you um so just uh the first one comes from grant ball and he asks how much if any influence did the original cap wolf storyline by mark grunwald have on the story you're telling in this miniseries um, I would actually say very little. Uh, our part of our goal and uh, job in doing the story was actually to to reinvent and give a new narrative of Cap Wolf. So it's it's a completely different origin story. I would say there is one thing that we pulled over from what they did, um, and I don't I don't want to say what it is because it kind of ties into our ending. But um, it was it was something that we were like, okay, we like we want to keep this in the mythos of cap wolf. So, um, but it, it is kind of our own retelling and we got a lot of leeway to, to run with the concept of cap wolf, which was cool. Uh, well, Matthew Glover asks as an accomplished Muay Thai and combat sports practitioner, and I know you've studied a lot of different styles. Uh, he wants to know what fighting style or combat disciplines do you think Captain America would use, enjoy and excel at? And is it difficult to incorporate that sort of action into your writing uh i think he would be a boxer like real american boxing school kind of guy uh and i i think that would 
fit Steve Rogers pretty well. Um, in terms of writing it into comics, uh, I, I do my best, but there's also an element of working with an artist. So not doing the thing where it's like, well, actually, when somebody kicks, the hip moves this way or something like that. There's a lot of, I think, leeway given to the uh, physicality of superheroes fighting, also because they aren't like normal humans. So it makes it cooler and bigger. Um, someone like Harley is wild so there are times where it's like she's not kicking somebody she's strangling somebody with a feather boa and it's like this is what she had access to and could grab at the time um, whereas Wonder Woman when I've written her she's a structured warrior she's been trained to fight since she could hold a sword so uh, Wonder Woman was a lot more uh, meticulous in how she strikes and she's not as messy she had a very different fighting style um, Cap Wolf, once we get into werewolves, I think there's a lot of messiness of like claws and teeth that <laughs> are certainly fun, but maybe don't come from a, a fighting style that I'm familiar with. So <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, I'm I'm glad about that. So I kind of had uh, to just make that one up. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I would, like the fight. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you because you also have previously noted in prior interviews that you really enjoy writing and choreographing fight scenes. Yeah, and so um, can we expect to see some some great action in uh, Captain America and the Howling Commandos? Oh yeah, I, I definitely hope so. It's it's a lot of fun to have. Um, uh, fun is is maybe a bad word for word for all the weaponry we're using. Though we have definitely invented some new new weaponry and technology to go along with our werewolves. Um, yeah, the the entire first issue will open with a pretty big battle sequence with the Commandos and Fury, and kind of help introduce readers to them as well. Because while this is also a new origin story for Cap Wolf, I feel like I want to I want to pay a lot of time with the Commandos for readers that maybe aren't as familiar with them as well. So, um, so I tried to give them really the star of the opening is the Commandos and and World War II and getting to kind of see where they're at and what they're dealing with. Do you have a favorite Commando? Yeah, did, dum dum. Did, okay, <laughs> did, was he your favorite coming into this, and he and is he your favorite also because of what you did in the story? Yes to both. He was my favorite coming in. I mean, I just, I like the look, the bowler hat and the, I don't know, he was always a little sassy to me um, and, and fiery. Um, but also being the second in command, getting to write him alongside Cap and kind of the, the clashing that they have at the start uh, was a lot of fun. And I knew his arc going into it immediately. I was like, I know where I want Dum Dum to end up at the end of this. Um, and, and kind of what I want to do for him, something that maybe he doesn't get a lot of in, in other stories. So um, he gets a little gift from me. <laughs> ah, okay. Nice. Something to look forward to there. Uh, yeah, I saw the cover for uh, issue two, and he's on the cover with a, look like a, a, you know, a shotgun or something pointed at the back of Cap Wolf's head uh, right. in the middle of the night. So that, that uh, you know, that draws you in right there. Yeah. Oh, the covers are are very cool for this series that uh, when I first got to see those, it was it was pretty exciting. And I think kind of tied it together because I've been seeing pages for a long time from Carlos. And um, I also have to say, Carlos is one of the, the best collaborators I've had. He's so much fun to work with. And uh, the war scenes that he's drawing are mind blowing. Like, you know, I, I write this scene for an artist and and I talked to Carlos initially when I gave him like the opening scene to the series. And my concern was like, are we doing too much? Have I done too much? Have I given you too much? Let's talk about like what can what can go or how you feel about this. And then he just gave me like 
the most detailed and incredible battle sequences I've ever seen. And I was like, oh, okay, I, I get what you want to do now. So let's let's do this. <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool. So I'm, I'm excited for readers to see that too. So what what is it about uh, working with him, Carlos, that is such a, you said it's such a great experience collaborating? Um, I, I'm a pretty, I think, vocal collaborator. So I'm always happy when somebody wants to, you know, write me or message me about questions or scenes. And um, Carlos is is also pretty interactive with me. And, and we talk quite a bit about what we're doing. And I think the, I think it, it means the story is going to come out better, because we get the chance to mold everything as more of a unit instead of just trying to pass what's in my brain to somebody sitting at a desk somewhere else far away from me. Um, and I think that makes it feel more per like it's it's both of our stories. It's more personal for both of us that way. Mm -hmm. um, and there's there's a lot of investment from the whole team. Now, do you work in the classic Marvel style where you give a a plot, the artist does the the layouts, and then you add the scripting afterwards, or do you do it differently? Um, differently for every artist, actually. Um, I wrote Marvel style for Riley because uh, that's what he preferred, and it kind of actually became, I would say, a modified Marvel style. It's like Riley style. This is the kind of script that Riley wanted that was a little bit based on that, but very loose. Um, and that also came from years of us working together that it like turned into this is the blend that we have uh, for our scripts. Um, Marvel, sometimes I don't know who the artist is, so I don't usually write Marvel style on the first issue. And then I kind of, once I know who's, who's going to be drawing it, if I need to modify, but I ask them, I ask everybody what their preference is. Um, with Capwolf, I think I had some of the first issue written before Carlos was, was on board. Um, and then it was a matter of just talking and being like, you know, you tell me what you want changed or what I can do differently. Um, but in all cases, I usually give some dialogue up front, though it changes once I see the art and do a final pass. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you you talking about the opening scene and, and talking with Carlos that, you know, perhaps maybe, you know, is it too much? You know, there's this big, gigantic scene. Um, it kind of reminds me, you know, we had um, Jackson Lansing and, and Colin Kelly on the show back when they were doing the last Captain America series. And one of the things that they had talked about was because it they would also have been in, uh, you know, film writing and things like that. And the difference with comics is you can go over the top, right? You can, you can make it so much bigger than a movie can possibly be. Um, so do you like that type of the fact that you have that um, open canvas to do anything that you want? Because in that medium of comics versus say something else? Yeah, I mean, I think my experience in other things is is more limited, so I'm biased and maybe not not the best person to ask. But uh, I like what we can do with comics. I like them as a reader. I like it as a writer. Anytime I sit down to write other things, I am like, oh, this should just be a comic. Or um, currently adapting things to other um, mediums after I've already written them as a comic is almost as frustrating because I'm like, oh, this worked in the comic and it doesn't quite work in this. Like other things have to change or adjust. Um, and that's where I'm like, oh, I already wrote it once. Let somebody else deal with that. Cause that's, um, that's frustrating to me. It's like, this is, and it's also, a, it's a medium I'm still learning. So until, you know, I, I don't know that I would ever reach a point where I'm like, yes, mastery. Uh, I'm less interested in doing other things, I think, because I'm I'm still learning and 
pretty constantly surprised by what comics can do, um, which is an exciting place to be. So yeah. happy about that. <laughs> uh, so you, you mentioned before about the, you know, the commandos and having the whole team there. Um, one of our other listeners, uh, Mark Domeyer asks, um, when writing a book with as many characters as the Avengers or the Howling Commandos, do you have, do you make a conscious effort to equal out some of the dialogue and action among all those who appear? Yes, absolutely. Um, I make a conscious effort to do that as much as possible. But then at the same time, I think there are somebody like Dugan kind of becomes the speaker for the commandos at times. Um, while they do all speak throughout every issue, I've made sure of that. Uh, and personalities come through too, like mm -hmm. getting to really develop uh, someone like Izzy or Junior is, is really fun or, um, you know, adding in the elements of like Dino's kind of uh, more Hollywood background. It's like, yeah, that's, that's cool to start injecting that in. Um, but then at the end of the day, when Fury's not there, Dugan is kind of the mouthpiece for those other characters. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge, especially when the Avengers come in. I think that's that's even harder with like a 25 page issue where you have so many of these really cool characters and you're like, oh, man, I didn't I spent how only a few pages with Thor and I would love to do more more of that. And it's like, oh, I can't. So here are my kind of figureheads. Carol is currently the head of the Avengers. So she sometimes becomes this mouthpiece for the unit. So let's get into the upcoming Avengers annual, uh, which is coming out later this month. Um, this is part of the Contest of Chaos event that is crossing over multiple titles. Um, what can you tell listeners ab about the story? And then how did you get involved? And is it challenging to work using a plot that includes multiple writers and storylines? Uh, yeah, I was approached about doing the event, um, kind of told like they wanted to do something involving Agatha and they were pretty open about the structure. So um, I took the bones that they gave me and then kind of made this this idea of what Agatha is doing to build a new Darkhold um, and how other people would respond to this and what it would do to the Marvel Universe. Uh, I haven't done a lot of magic characters before, so I was actually pretty excited to use uh, people like Agatha. At some point, we used Clea Strange, which I was really excited about because I think she just, she's got a cool look to her um, and kind of build off of uh, the Marvel Universe that there's this new dark hold coming and it's bigger and it impacts all of them. Um, so starting off with kind of the big Marvel blockbuster of Wolverine and Spider-Man was also like, yeah, I, I like just having fun with having them fight one another. And I uh, was excited about that. So uh, the ending, uh, the ending was something I pitched to Marvel, which it comes out again later this month, but it was something I pitched to them and I was really unsure how they would feel about it. And it turned into something that they were, really into um so i'm kind of curious to see reader reactions to it when we get there because it was um a different ending than had been pitched to me by marvel so <laughs> we, oh. we shall see uh but i'm pretty excited it's it's quite the change for agatha when we get there interesting all right now again another good tease we'll have to check that out yeah. um and of course our listeners want to know how big a role does cap have in this avengers annual um so yeah, Sam in the Avengers issue 
totally fun to write with the shield um they've got like a sequence in there that maybe involves venom that i was pretty excited to see come together um but again another one of those things where when you write like you know it's the last one in the event and there are so many avengers and also all of the marvel characters are in it as well because it's like this culmination of what agatha's been doing um so it ends up being something like Oh, it's a ridiculous number. It's like 20 something people. And so it uh even the the time I spent with Sam, it's like one of those things where I come away feeling like it was not enough time with Sam. So I'd love to revisit him. So Stephanie, I gotta say, I I was super enamored with you when I saw how you had previously dealt with some negative social media trolling. And uh, and how you've kind of flipped the script on that um, by supporting the LGBT community with your I Killed Comics in Cold Blood t-shirts that uh, raised funds for uh, the Trevor Project. And by the way, those shirts I, I saw are still available online for folks who want to buy them. So you discussed a little bit of this, uh, the negative social media attention your work has attracted in an interview with Dominic, I think it's Los, uh, on Friction. And, and, and if I could, I, I want to quote a snippet of your response in that interview. You said, quote, I think that just speaks to this interesting point we're at in the industry where more and more doors are being opened to non-white um, heterosexual creators. I think uh, non-white, non-heterosexual creators. I think it's amazing that we're all getting uh, all of these unique voices in the industry, but that's making some people upset. They want something very specific. And even though that still exists in the industry, they just don't like the inclusion of others, unquote. And it reminded me of a conversation we had with uh, Tom, Tom Brevort back in episode 35, um, almost uh, more than two years ago, back in June, 2021. And he talked about the importance of opening up um, more opportunities for writers and artists and characters that look and have experiences like the diversity of people right outside our window. So a couple of years on from that I killed comics and cold blood experience, how do you think the industry is uh, is doing to rise up to this challenge? Um, I mean, from what I'm seeing, it seems like a lot of positive movement. I, I think, you know, being behind the scenes, there were always going to be things that uh, maybe I experienced or other creators experience that maybe aren't visible to readers. But I think in some ways that maybe that's good because seeing the industry in ways that it's growing means that other people are going to come in and be attracted to the industry and want to be a part of it. And that makes it a more positive experience for all of us that are already here doing things. So um, seeing them, uh, seeing new creators come in is really a, a cool thing and something that I hope I can help with as well whenever I get the chance because People help me, so I'm I'm always looking for ways to do that as well. Have you seen uh, any changes or any progress or anything, or or is it a, it's a slow build? Um, I mean, I think it's it's probably a slow build, but you know, things I've seen and and a conversation I had recently with someone at Marvel, which I I really liked, was um, making sure that the opportunities are are open for me to do things that aren't just people that look or sound like me. And I, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. And I think that's like such a tough call because I, I want writers and creators to be able to work on characters that look and sound like them. But at the same time, I want to go write Cap and Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos. <laughs> and none of those people look or sound like me, uh, especially the werewolves, I hope. So yeah. <laughs> um, like I, I like that that's something that Marvel is having a conversation about. And at some point, what I got from the conversation is we don't have 
a great answer, but we're all kind of working and learning on it, learning about it together. And we're trying to like check in with creators and make sure, like, see how you feel and see how we're doing on that end. And it was something that I was like, that's, that's a new experience for me. And that's something that felt really good to kind of be a part of that conversation and shaping a potentially new direction or um, helping establish that like one of the the other great things about coming to Marvel was I've been offered other characters like Cosmic Ghost Rider, um, something new that I'm doing uh, right now as well. That's like there's a very prominent male character in Rogan Gambit. Gambit, I know, is half woman in there, but you know, Gambit is still a very big male character, and and getting to tackle those, it's like that feels that feels like a big step forward for me because it is, you know, I've talked about some of the gigs I've turned down before and some of them are ones where I'm like, yes, it may be a woman, but that's not a character I identify with or have anything to say about our, our similarity maybe ends at identifying as a woman. And um, so on the one hand, I'm really, really appreciative that those opportunities are being offered to creators that can identify very closely with that character. And I will be upfront that I am not one when that happens. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, I don't know that I have the great answer. And I think Marvel was pretty honest that like, we don't have a very strict, like, here's our answer, how that's going to go. Uh, but they're having a conversation. So to me, that feels new and different and like something I'm excited about. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. we're excited to see more coming from you. Uh, so it, and, and now, now, of course, you know, you're talking about whether or not characters, uh, you have something in common with them or, or not. But, you know, you've been on Harlequin for so long. What what do you have in common with her? <laughs> um, that one was a pretty, pretty close to home character. I think immediately we, we did a lot with like her PhD and bringing that very forefront to the character. Because um, it felt like, you know, if you've gone through nine years of grad school for all these different degrees uh i know why you're hitting somebody with a bat i guess so it was <laughs> um, <Amen>. <laughs> <laughs> it was a it was a lot of fun to kind of bring those elements out of harley that have always been there people like jimmy and amanda have really touched on those things in the past runs as well um but there are things that i got to tell in a way that I can come at them from this way and with an experience that I have and highlight them in a way that they hadn't been before. Um, just uh, a lot of cool stuff like that. I liked making Jewish jokes with her. Uh, that's, you know, having a Jewish mother was kind of a, a fun thing that I shared in common with her. Um, yeah. And her fighting style, uh, the interest that she had in kind of like talking about mental health and redemption throughout our arc was um I think at times very personal for myself and the rest of the creative team. Like we had a lot of conversations about what we were doing with that. So um, yeah, it was, it was a, also a big learning experience for working on an ongoing series. I will definitely say like being my first ongoing, it was like learning about structure and format as well as learning about ways I, I might be um, similar to Harley, sometimes uncomfortably. So. <laughs> <laughs> So what what else you got coming on? I mean, I know you've got so many other, you mentioned a few of them, but maybe we can get a little yeah. bit more detail about what, what's keeping you busy nowadays and projects you got coming up. Uh, yeah, Grim Ongoing comes out from Boom every month. Uh, we're on issue, I think 15 is coming up. So we're reaching kind of a big milestone in the book, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, and what's that about? 
Grim is about a Grim Reaper who uh, does not know how she was killed, but she's the only Grim Reaper that doesn't know how she was killed. So it starts as a mystery about her own death, and then it kind of explodes into um, a bigger mystery about the afterlife and how the afterlife functions with all these kind of new characters that come into into her little afterlife orbit. So, um, yeah, it's it's a dark... It's been labeled horror, but I don't really think it's horror. It's more like just a dark mystery comedy series um yeah okay sounds interesting yeah sounds dark sounds something i want to dig into dark mystery dark mystery comedy (laughs) all right i'll label it as that that's a good label um (laughs) yeah i've got some new stuff coming up from uh marvel that hasn't been announced yet and as well as uh distillery which is the new project that i'm involved in um that has a lot of founding creators along with me who are doing some cool stuff we just had our first uh first big launch two weeks ago one week ago something like that with the devil's cut um i did a story with joelle jones uh which was a very horrific story about a mortician who falls in love with a corpse so that's (laughs) That's what we did. <laughs> well, said she wanted to do something dark, so that's that's where we went. <laughs> All right, nothing like a little necrophilia. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. And uh, are you still got DC projects coming up as well? Uh, no, I've I've pretty firmly moved. Um, for me, a big thing was wanting to move away from kind of these really big line wide events where the world is constantly blowing up I guess um it's it's something that I just I don't know I didn't feel like I was quite ready for like jumping into this world with 20 writers in these big events um I I like being able to come at something like Contest of Chaos in a it's still an event but it's something that I think has um a very direct line about a character and about where Agatha goes through this event. So, um, so for the time being, I'm, I'm happily at Marvel and distillery and boom, uh, right now. Excellent. Well, listen, we appreciate you coming on the show. Um, we're very excited to, to take a look at, uh, you know, the, the, you got coming up in just a few weeks, right? We've got, uh, Avengers annual vo- volume five, number one will be in store September 27th. And then Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos number one will be in shops October 11th. So it's coming up and uh, we're excited. About it. I mean, I I wore this shirt for you today. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> there you go. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. I, and I thank you because normally when we do this, he doesn't wear a shirt. So I'm it's really, true. I'm grateful. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I got lucky today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Stephanie. All right, Bob. Well, that was a, a really cool in conversation with Stephanie. Got to see uh, a little bit about, uh, you know, her her industry experience and and how she's grown very quickly, and uh, some of the projects she likes taking on. But we got to hear some cool tidbits about the upcoming stories that she's working on that features Captain America. Yeah, and and it's not too long. Uh, well, I guess it is actually. Right. Hold on. So. Yes. And, you know, I've been looking forward to this series for quite some time, and it was great to, to hear a little bit of the sort of how the sausage was made and how she got involved in the project and some of the things she was hoping to achieve and, and her focus on some of the characters that are beloved, but maybe we haven't seen in, in quite some time in this way. So there's a lot, I think, uh, to, to chew on with this series. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> uh. Yeah. 
Okay. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so coming up next episode, Bob, we do have a fun tale. Now, we, we mentioned this at the end of uh, episode 152, so we'll do it again just in case. But uh, we're going to be going into 1986. You picked out a Mark Grunewald story featuring Cap and one Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the cover of this issue jumps out at you, Rick. And uh, it, folks, uh, almost everybody I know loves this cover. Uh, I've never heard of anyone say, oh, this cover is a turnoff. So it really hooks you in. And uh, and it certainly hooked me in. And that's why I suggested it. And I'm, I'm glad we're going to be diving into that one. And what's the cover, Bob? You just totally glossed over that. Can't Beep! Remember? <laughs> <laughs> you kidding? I don't have that written down. <laughs> <laughs> you just it's the hawkeye one i don't remember the number are you kidding me i can barely remember my phone number it's the cover with hawkeye and cap on the cover yes what number i don't remember the i issue didn't number. say what number i said what's wow. the cover look i thought like? you were asking me the issue number so. no <laughs> so yeah so it's, it's cap 317 by the way <laughs> oh okay thank you yes so yeah i'm I don't even know what I said now. So, yeah. I got to bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, leave it in. Leave it for the kids. So, uh, yeah. What's on the cover of Cap oh, 317, it's, Bob? It's what, what was it that pulled you in? You, just, you didn't mention it, but you didn't tell the people what that was All on the cover. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's the classic canary yellow cover with Cap and Hawkeye on, on front and center with Cap with Hawkeye's bow. It's another fine mess you've gotten us into, Rick. Uh-huh. And 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 who's got his shield? That would be Hawkeye. Okay. Thanks for filling us in on that. All right. All right. What is going to be? Do you know, he's like no mysteries left in life, Rick? You don't want to leave a mystery it's out a there? It's a cover, Bob. <laughs> it's kind of hard to not uh, talk about the cover. All right. All right. I uh, could ask you what, how many issues of Captain America have Steve Rogers in civilian garb. On well, I know you. I don't want to tell you. You said that you could think of at least five. I could think Facebook of at least group. at least five. Yeah. Was the one more. that I posted, was that one of the five? It, it certainly was. Oh, really? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it counted because it wasn't really Steve Rogers. It was it was Doughboy. Yeah. Do Primus. Do Primus. Right. Yes. Yeah. How many others are there? I think that's all of them in volume one, though. I think the rest of them are outside of volume one. Are they now? Yeah. Hmm. I guess I'll just have to go on Facebook to in, in our group to figure yeah. that out. I hope folks enjoy the the uh, Easter egg hunt or the scavenger, whatever it's called, scavenger hunt. All right. Yeah. Bob, I'm gonna I think you need to take a nap. Probably so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's after our... nine, Rick. Oh, it is. It Liberty is. cricket, folks. Okay, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick uh, Furbonis. He is, he is indeed. And you have been listening to another episode <laughs> of the Captain America comic book fans podcast. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right.